Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 340, where we are here to bring you more of your urban legends, including, now Julia, it's a safe space here with just you and me. Um, and so normally we start these hometown urban legends recording, checking in with each other, with Schneider, with mm-hmm. a ghost that mm-hmm. definitely lives in his attic and basement. Yeah, yeah. The ghost has taken up residence in his throat. That's true. It has. Eric, if you just want to go ahead and, uh, and drop in that little clip that you recorded for us of you and your voice. Seems like the ghost is spreading to you now, Amanda. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. No, that, that was a temporary. That was temporary. Good morning. I have a very raspy voice, uh, but not COVID. Taking a test yesterday and today, but I have a sore throat and I sound like this. Yeah, we are recording this under uh, wild, wildfire smoke, uh, where the building across from my uh, desk here is white and looks yellow. So that's what's happening just like in the world broadly. It's not great right now. Uh, not great. And like an upcoming guest said to us yesterday, Julia, when we were recording, horror lets us be scared on our own terms instead of uh, whenever the world just decides to drop, you know, natural events on us. So anyway, that's what's going on with uh, with us and with Schneider over there. Uh, he's He is just fine. Uh, he's just got a, a bit of a laryngitis cold situation but we are here uh together you and me to bring more urban legends to the people we are and amanda i'm just gonna start us off right away i'm i'm ready to go amanda oh Amanda. oh shit i have a plush update (gasps) oh yes all right give the listeners some context this is from a couple of uh months ago yes this is from our episode with janet varney where our final story from that episode was about a haunted plush that was then destroyed by the parents because it was uh, horrifying. And we got a lot of questions regarding that in terms of like what the plush was, what's going on, what were the ages of the people involved here? There was a lot of questions that were left behind. And luckily Rose has sent in an update. Oh, Rose, what a hero. There are no greater heroes on the internet, Julia, than original posters who come back with an update. Yes. Okay. So Rose says, I'm back with more info on my previous story and a less creepy story. I just wanted to tell you that when I heard you guys read my story about my uncle's plush, I screamed in pure joy. I ran to my uncle's house and told him about the podcast and the fact that you had read the story. He found it really cool. Aw, shout out, uncle. Awesome. Also, Rose, uh, you, you're you cooler than us because your story was read to Janet Varney. We were simply there. So, yes. I mean, good job. So Rose says, thank you for that serotonin release. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into the info and the story. So I will be 17 at the end of the year and my uncle's 36, just an FYI, which, you know what, makes a lot more sense. I feel better about everything that's involved there. I'm happy now. It's all good. Me too. So apparently my grandmother also tore open the plush and then burned it as a result of the story. Smart. My uncle worries that the plush was sentient, like the stuffed animal in the movie Ted, and he lost the chance to have a best friend. That's an extremely (laughs) funny reaction to a very traumatizing thing. Yeah. Also, under that assumption, what my grandmother did could have been an arrestable offense if it had been sentient, certainly. Yes. Yes. I don't think we have laws about the sentience of inanimate objects, so... Yeah, my first thought went to, is it like illegal to have open fires in your township? Mm-hmm. That's that's how you know that we are your uncle's age, because we are like, oh, yes, of course, a code violation. Yes, of uh, course. I don't want to pay that <laughs> fine. No, no, no. So anyway, here's a link to what my uncle said the plush looked like. And Amanda, I opened this link. Okay. And I audibly gasped. Great. <laughs> and that's why we're starting with this. This is what the plush looked like. <gasps> 
I mean, this is an adorable plush Julia that could not be more demonic if it spoke to me. Now, for the people at home, Amanda, describe it to me and then I'll tell you what it looks like to me. Okay, so this is a very standard looking teddy bear. It has like tufted fur, almost like if you've ever had like a lamb plush Mm -hmm. where it's like kind of in big tufts, pretty proportional, like longer limbs relative to its body. It's not one of those plushes that is like all body, like little stubby arms and legs, Uh, pretty long legs, pretty long arms, Um, sweet little button eyes. And then a snout that has like the nose, the little line of the upper lip and the mouth all on one part and sweet little rounded bear ears. Now, Amanda, have you ever seen the commercials for the Snuggle line of fabric softener? Yes, this looks just like that bear. It does, but like if if it looked a little bit more fucked up, that's what this bear looks like. No doubt. It. I mean, the, the mouth's a little askew. The eyes are looking a little bit sideways. And I mean, it is just a disembodied hand holding up a plush against a white wall with a bit of a shadow. So, you know, <laughs> it, it does look like it could just sort of like leap at my face at all time. But what made me gasp is like the idea of a demonic voice coming out of this plush is so incongruent. Or like just dancing and moving yes. on its own. That's the like fucking terrifying part of this is that yeah. like it's I feel like, you know, like we talked about what the scariest versions of all of that were in our episode, our previous yeah. episode. But the fact that this seems like it could move on its own. Yes. Is the really fucked up part. This could easily be ambulatory. It's not like, oh, little stubby legs and it could hardly run. Like this, this is pretty near human proportions, but like Barbie human proportions where the legs are too long. Mm-hmm. And this this bear could grab you. Um, and I would be really scared if that were to happen. This looks actually, Julia, like, um, like in Toy Story, like a toy that the neighbor would tear something off of and put something scary onto it and make like a cursed creature. Like it, it, there's there's a high level of potential for fucked upness here. There just truly is, you know? It's just, now that I have the image in my brain, it makes the story all the more creepier. Yeah, Rose, well done in following up. Thank you for uh, for bringing us some more primary sources here. And uh, we're glad that your uncle thought it was cool that your family story was on our podcast. Amazing. And now Rose has a new story for us, Amanda, and we'll see if it lives Ooh. up to the the hype of the, the haunted plush, which I very few things can, but here we go. So let's do it. So one of my best friends, we'll call her Kay, was hanging out with her then boyfriend, now XB, and her then friend, now girlfriend, H. Co- teen relationships, wildly complicated. Mm-hmm, Love that mm-hmm, for them. Mm-hmm. Now H is also Wiccan, and they were hanging out at Kay's house on a very specific date, September 26th, 2020. Wow. Wow. Okay. You know, we love a specific date. Kay had her phone's ringer all the way up on the edge of the pool table in the center of the room that they were in, which, you know what, as what I know of teens. Rare. Rare. You guys have ringers on your phones? What? You, you guys never use your phone ringers. Yeah. Yeah. So H had told B about spirit guides, and the group was trying to contact B's spirit guides. Now, H is a seer, which she describes as someone who can see spirits, like has the sight or something like that, Uh and a Wiccan, so a lot of precautions were taken to protect themselves against malicious entities, which is the smart thing to do if you're gonna summon ghosts. Yeah, all kinds of teens, you know, whip out a Ouija board, 
do the little three times into the mirror, right? Like light a black candle they bought in Salem at a tourist store. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like y'all are going through this with eyes open, which I, I do appreciate. I do appreciate that. So immediately, H felt a chaotic energy from the get go when contacting the guides. Then when K went to reach for her phone, it was gone. Mm. While looking for the phone, H ran her hand along the edge of the pool table and there was nothing on it. Dang. They then looked all around the house. B even called the phone, but they heard nothing. Eventually, H suggested that maybe B's spirit guides had taken K's phone. B called the phone and left a voicemail in a very serious tone saying, Give it back now. Which, oh boy. Again, hey guys. Got to be polite to ghosts. Yes. Just going to say, got to be polite to ghosts. And I, I would venture, even if it's a possibility that a human took the phone, which I, I know is not, given how remote this was, mm -hmm. you know, you can also start with a polite bent. Be like, hey, listen, really need it. This was weird for B because he is a very laid back kind of guy who likes to joke about basically everything. So K and H went to K's room to look for the phone there, leaving B by himself in the original room. After about five minutes, B yelled for K and H to come back into the room as he had found it. H asked where it was. It was on the edge of the pool table. So it was right back where they left it, even though they had looked there hundred times. I bet B probably took it. That would be my like logical like assumption kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, you, you took it while no one was looking and uh, then you put it back when everyone else had left the room. Bang. You know what? If a ghost did take a phone, I bet a strongly worded voicemail would probably do it. You know? I like that. I like that very much. Or maybe you send them a, a string of cryptic emoji sort of saying like lady ghost arrow um, up the hill, uh, <laughs> over uh, the river emoji, chapel emoji, uh, eggplant. And if it's a horny ghost, uh, maybe it'll go ahead and try to find its love over the over the hill and over the river. Yeah, over the river and through the woods exactly. to go get some dick. Exactly. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sometimes Fuck. Julia has fully committed to the sentence she's saying, and I uh -huh. see her face begin to judge what she's saying as she says it, and it's a real treat. It comes out, and then I'm like, shit, who said that? That was me. <laughs> it did happen. So Rose finishes out with, anyway, that's all for today, guys. Thanks for providing amazing entertainment for me. Sincerely, you're stressed out. And be friend, Rose. Well, Rose, thank you for uh, for the follow-up and also for being a uh, a real sort of champion of the show and spreading it like a haunting. Yes, to your uncle who is almost our age. Exactly right. Uh-oh. Now, Julia, you've been doing great work all year long with the It's Norse, of course, series Aww, aided by you. researcher Sally. And I thought I would give you a little bit of the present that you gave to me and the listeners all year long, uh, which is a story about the Norse god Thor that is also <gasps> a local urban legend. Tell me more. Tell me more. So this came in way back in November from listener Julie, she, her, and it's titled The Norse God Thor is a Bad Wedding Guest. That's true. He is. Julie sent this in before we had started. It's Norse, of course, uh, but after my wedding. And so that is kind of the, the theme of this message here. So I love it. It begins. This summer, I drove across the mountain. Uh, and then it's a Norse word that translates as Hawk Hill Mountain. Very cool. To visit family in the eastern part of Norway. I've driven this road many times before, so I decided to take a route that's a little more scenic, but I don't use as often. It's a little iffy to use during the winter, but I thought in the summer I'd be totally fine. While driving along, I noticed the sign for the area Udbordi, 
often called Udbori. And I remembered a story I was told about this area back when I was a child. Love that your folks are telling you stories as oh, yeah. a child like this. Love it. Urdbo Urdi can be translated as scree dwelling scree. Scree. If it's not immediately obvious from the name, this area is home to a serious collection of rocks, my friends. And Joy, do you know what a scree is in like geology? I don't. I'm just yelling the word scree because it's very fun. (laughs) So it's a collection of broken rock fragments at the base of a cliff or other steep rocky mass that builds up through periodic rockfall. Okay, sure, sure. Rocks fall and tumble and then like a essentially gravel pit, you know, area of like big broken rocks forms. Cool. So this scree in Udbor Erdi is one of the biggest in northern Europe. It starts way up in the mountains and extends all the way down to the fjord. The area it covers is very large and the road runs straight through it, making for very cool scenery. As the scree is so large, it wasn't possible to go around. So when the road was built, they just blew up all the rocks that were in the way. Mm-mm. Before that, locals used a rough path through the scree called Thor's Road. Ooh. And so Julie is continuing the trend of multimedia legends here. So Julie, (laughs) I'm going to send you a link to Google Maps. Please. This will also be in our episode notes for patrons, of course. Ah, yes. And of course, the horrifying plush will also be there. Yes. And so Julie says, okay, go ahead and open that link, Julia. But um, turn all the way around. Turn your little person 180. Like, pan all the way around. That is how big the scree is. It's very tall. I want to hike it. Exactly. And if you exit out of street view and turn on the satellite for the map, you'll see the full area of this beautiful, like, graveled, almost like gorge or valley. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There we go. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. So there is a like non-forested path down which you can see many rocks, huge boulders have tumbled and fallen and a highway snaking its way perpendicular straight through the like danger zone of where the rocks have fallen. Highway to the Thor zone. Yeah. Exactly right. It is beautiful and it, it bridges two lakes. I mean, probably it was originally one waterway that's been filled in with rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much, Julie, for the context. It's awesome. I love that. Gosh, we need to just name more things after gods. That would be nice. Oh, yeah. She also included a video of drone footage uh, <gasps> through the area, which is so beautiful. Um, but here, here's the story that Julie heard growing up. So a long time ago, the area was home to a little village. There were a few farms and even a small church. One day, there was a huge wedding celebration on one of the farms. Everyone in the village had been invited and the ale was flowing freely, as it always did for weddings. Mm-hmm. The celebrations and the ale caught the attention of the god Thor, and he decided to make the trip down to Midgard to join in on the celebrations. Imagine your party's so good that it attracts the attention of a god, and he just like shows up and he's like, sup, my guys, uh, throw me some ale. Well, uh, this is what happens, Julia, if that happens. Mm-hmm. When Thor arrived, he was, of course, handed an ale bowl full of ale, which he promptly drained. Mm-hmm. The bowl was filled again, and Thor drained it again. Mm-hmm. This happened several times over until the hosts finally denied Thor any more ale as they were afraid he would drink all of the ale they had for the entire wedding. This, of course, made Thor quite angry. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Thor was pleased with the ale and the farmer, but he was still angry at the hosts of the wedding. To protect the farmer from what he was about to do, Thor took the farmer with him to the top of a nearby mountain. He then threw his hammer from that mountain toward the mountain closest to the village. 
Throwing with full force, he caused the whole mountain to break apart and come rolling down in a huge rock slide, oh my completely gosh. burying the village. Having destroyed the village and feeling quite pleased with himself, Thor then noticed the mountain was not the only thing to break. <laughs> to his dismay, he saw that he'd struck with so much force that the head of his hammer flew off <gasps> and disappeared in the rock pile. Mjolnir, no! Mjolnir was of little use to him with only the handle left, so Thor had to go and search for the head. As he was searching, he mindlessly threw away the rocks that were in his way. So when he finally found the head of Mjolnir and got it reassembled, he noticed he made a path where he had been walking in his search. Yes. To make sure the farmer he'd saved would have a way of communicating with the outside world, Thor finished the path that he had started. So it was possible tr to traverse through the scree without having to climb. This is Thor's Road. I love that story. As always, I love a mythological explanation for a natural event. Yep. Incredible. My problem is, hey, Thor, that farmer needs land to farm on, and you just made it all covered in rocks. What's up, my guy? Julia, excellent point. Mm. Thor also cleared a new farm for the farmer Ooh. he'd saved, and the farm was named Erdbo, as it was a dwelling in the middle of a scree. Scree! And so the area on the farm came to be known as Erdbor Erdi. The scree surrounding the dwelling in the scree. Incredible. So good. And Julie concludes with, I hope you enjoyed the story. And since you're all alive after Amanda's wedding, you either had enough ale at the wedding to please Thor or he stayed away from your celebration. Well, Amanda, that's a good thing that you had a <laughs> your wedding at a brewery because exactly. there definitely was enough ale to go around, even if Thor had shown up. Exactly right. Yeah, he could have just popped shop back in the brewery next to one of the brew tanks and had that good good. Incredible. I'm going to look at this drone footage now that you sent. Take me on a drone. <laughs> oh. But especially like Julie said, it it really like looking at the satellite view of the area, it it really looks just like that. Like the rock slide came in and then conveniently, happily, there was a path right through the middle. That is so freaking cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Incredible. And I love the lake nearby, too. So gorgeous. It's beautiful. Man, I got to go to Europe more. Well, Julie, we've been thinking about going to Norway for our honeymoon, more like an anniversary trip, because we want somewhere cold with a lot of fish. So we'll that you is know. all you, baby. <laughs> that is all you. <laughs> cold with fish? Mm, not my bag, but certainly good for you guys. Well, Julia, this story has gotten me thirsty. So why don't we go ahead to the kitchen and grab a quick refill? Let's do it. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the mid-roll, where it is a uh, smoky and hazy afternoon here in New York. I hope everybody out there is staying safe and well, and especially our listeners in Canada, we are thinking of you. Now, welcome first and foremost to our newest patron, Mando. What a great name. I wonder if you were inspired by anything in particular in choosing that name. And hey, folks, if you want to be thanked by name in the next episode of Spirits, you got a week to join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash spiritspodcast to join us now. And listen, if you've heard this plug for several months or even years and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I like those folks. It would be nice to support them at some point. You know, I, I don't want to necessarily commit to, you know, a new sort of expense each month. I hope you know that you can get an entire year of supporting spirits up front at a discount. So for example, if you support us at the $4 tier, which gets you access to all kinds of incredible benefits, including 
including our recipe cards, not just for new shows, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic recipes for every single episode, but also the 339 episodes that came before this one. You get the full access to the full thing of all the bonus that we've released over the years. You get the enhanced show notes of all of the extra like links and fun stuff that Julia and I talk about during the episode. All of that you can get for $40 one time for the entire year. So pay 40 bucks now upfront. And that is a year of support at the $4 level. That is just a one-time $40 charge. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is like one order of takeout sushi for two people. So, hey, we would really appreciate your support. It's a great time to do it. And if you want to support us once upfront for the whole year, go ahead and do that at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Thanks as well to our supporting producer level patrons, Alicia, Ann, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Matthew, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, and Scott, and our legend-level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi Yokai, Morgan, Morgan H., and Sarah. Now, I, as you know, am a big reader. I love romance. It has been my true obsession over uh, the course of lockdown and the pandemic. And one of my very favorite things about romance is that authors so often make series where you really get to know an area and a family. And there's like either multiple siblings, each of whom is the focus of a different book, or maybe a bunch of different friends or coworkers, people who all have something in common. And I love getting to like revisit a setting that I really enjoyed like I do with Serena Bowen's True North series. This focuses on a bunch of siblings and their businesses and friendships and lives and yes, the love that they find up in Vermont. And so if like me, you really enjoy the Northeast, if you enjoy seasonal stuff, if you want to hear about a family of cider makers and craft beer and bake shop owners, you gotta check it out. It is linked in our description or as always go to spiritspodcast.com slash books to see a list of all the books we recommended and that our guests have written over the years. It is also a busy summer here at Multitude. And now after you've taken our survey, which we've already shared, and you can still do, by the way, don't tell anybody, at multitude.productions survey, you gotta check out the podcast Games and Feelings. Now, this is an advice podcast all about games hosted by my husband, question keeper Eric Silver. And I am on it once a month as one of a revolving cast of guests as we answer your questions at the intersection of fun and humanity. Since, you know, you gotta play games games with other people. And the kinds of episodes that I am on the show to talk about are called The Replay. And it's where we talk about advice questions from the internet, from advice columns all the way back from like the early 20th century to the very present, like stuff that's trending on Reddit and Twitter today, and answer it from a perspective of people who really understand and respect board games and video games and sports and all kinds of things. It is so fun. There are also episodes about people's favorite Pokemon and there is permanent guest Jasper Cartwright, who is there to dispense great advice. You may know him from the D&D scape. You may know him from Three Black Halflings. He is absolutely incredible as him and Eric and various multitude folks recommend games and answer questions. Check out Games and Feelings at gamesandfeelings.com or in your podcast player today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I bet you spend a lot of time on other people in your life, and I bet you don't spend nearly as much time on yourself. I know that I find it difficult to balance those two things, and I am always looking for new ways to make sure that I'm reserving time on my calendar and not like canceling it the minute I have something else going on, and also that I reserve energy to do things for myself. It's easy for me to just kind of at the end of the day be like, yep, I'm exhausted, just gonna like do nothing for a little bit. And 
And sometimes I need that, but sometimes I would really be fed by doing an activity or going someplace or talking to a friend and making sure I plan for that and give myself the respect that I give others in my life is really challenging. So it is something that I really appreciate talking through in therapy and getting help from a therapist to think about not just what's going on in my life and how I can set up, you know, different routines to make my life a better fit for me, but also how I feel about it, which if no one is prompting me to talk about, I probably am not going to talk about (laughs) or even be honest with myself about. If you're thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is a really convenient way to give it a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spirits. We are also sponsored by Brooklinen. And uh, now I have to unexpectedly move um, sometime in the next month and change. Uh, We are pissed about it, uh, but we have to do it. And honestly, the first thing that I'm going to be unpacking in wherever I end up moving is going to be my box of Brooklinen sheets, because honestly, they didn't tell me to say this. I'm just saying it. If I'm not sleeping between Brooklinen, I am not truly rested. They are so buttery soft. They are so silky smooth. They are so comfortable. I honestly love them. I've been converted. I've cycled out all of my sheets for Brooklyn and sheets that I bought with my own money that I have not gotten as comps for these ads because they are incredible. I've sent them to my grandma. I sent them to my siblings. I've brought them upstate to my grandma's house. So when I stay with her, I can sleep on Brooklyn. And it is uh, a serious, serious difference in quality. So listen, what are you waiting for? Shop in store or online at brooklinen.com to gift you or your loved ones the rest they deserve. I always find it a real problem to buy gifts from my dad. And honestly, I'm going to buy him some Brooklyn and sheets. He is still using sheets that came from our old house maybe 10 years ago. And you know, dads are going to dad. They won't necessarily buy something that will upgrade their everyday routine. This is what I'm going to do for him. I'm committing it to you now. Good thing my dad skips the ads. Visit brooklinen.com today to get $20 off plus free shipping on orders of $100 or more with code SPIRITS. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com with code SPIRITS for $20 off plus free shipping. You're welcome, dad. All right, folks. Now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, we're back at it. And I got to ask you, what have you been drinking lately? I went to a local queer Irish bar recently that just opened, mm-hmm. and I am so happy it exists. And I think my new thing, Julia, is just going to bars on Tuesdays. This is what you do uh, often, and what you have taught me about is, you know, you go early in the week, and a rep was there from Fifth Hammer Brewing Company, yes. which is in Long Island City and distributed all over the Northeast. It is so good. And I tried, I try whenever there's like a tasting to try stuff I normally wouldn't order, and so I picked up a a can of peach goggles, which is a sour ale with peach and apricot. And it was so incredible. It was juicy. It was balanced. It was tart, but not super tart. It was kind of like a peach iced tea lemonade, but not overly sweet. And I highly enjoyed it. That sounds really, really good. Typically, when I go on my Tuesday bar trips, I get a spicy pineapple margarita with mezcal, which is very, very good. But if I'm feeling like I want to do something a little bit on the lighter side, on tap, my local bar has been rocking this Duclaw Sour Me America, which they call a rocket pop sour ale. So, you know, the old rocket pops from- Yeah. uh, Hetty just had that, uh, our friend, and was like, damn, this is actually 
actually amazing and tastes just like the thing. <laughs> it does. And it's like, it's great because it's not too sour. Yeah. A lot of times, like, I I love Blue Point Brewery, as I've talked about many times on the show. But their sours can be really, really sour. which Like punch you in the face sour, yeah. Which I like on, like, a really hot day. But if I'm, like, just chilling, I want something that's, like, sour but not too sour. And this one is really perfect for, like, just, like, downing them. And it's also not, like crazy strong either a lot of times when i get the sours they're like imperial sours and they're eight percent yeah this one's a solid 5.5 so like not bad so is the peach sour which i appreciate because i you know i'm 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 getting up there i'm I'm 31 i want to you know i want to have a a beer or two and not feel sleepy and like i want to (laughs) leave yeah well julia i know we have our summer drinks in hand and we did spend some time this past weekend at your beautiful uh new fire pit um Mm. at your home that you and jake put together which is so wonderful so i want you to imagine that we're sitting there now with our beers Mm. in hand um the fire is going it's twilight out and it's camp season baby because we have a spooky summer camp roundup from me let's go camp Let's go camp. All right. So this is from Meeve, she, they. And the message begins. Hey, hi, hello, spirits. It's me, your loyal fan and listener. I loved your show for so many years and thought I would send in my summer camp hauntings. There are three tales for you. A very spooky number. All right, let's go. Three is a great number. The first one I'll share is the one I have fewest details on. I attended a two-week overnight summer camp every year from ages 8 to 16. It's Camp Astowama in Connecticut. Yay, East Coast. Yay, East Coast. Asto Wama has been around for 114 years at this point. And as That's we so all long. know from horror movies, Connecticut, one of the most haunted places. That is true. There, there's a whole movie that's called The Haunting of Connecticut. That's true. Or in Connecticut? I don't remember which. In, I think? I don't know. Probably. The camp, sitting at the end of a long forested dirt road along Columbia Lake, is split into four units. There's Hilltop for little ones, Lakeside for more middle school age, Seniors for the oldest kids, and then the LT Cabin for people training to be counselors. Sure. The haunting was in Lakeside in Cabin 5. Now, I never stayed in Cabin 5, just the way the ages worked out over my years in those cabins, but campers have reported strange happenings every year. Even my older sister, who is a firm non-believer when it comes to anything spooky or spiritual, said there was a weird energy in the cabin and she regularly heard things. Okay. That includes whispering in their ears, knocking on their bunks when there's no one else there, people tugging on their clothes, and then finding out that they're alone. Uh All in all, a little creepy, but harmless. All right. So I was going to try to, you know, brush away a couple of these. Knocking on their beds when there's no one around could be an animal, could be something in the walls, you know. Wind. Yeah, anything. Sure. The whispering in the ear, you know, a lot of times you'll be asleep and you think you hear something and then you wake up and then there's nothing there, right? Like that's, yeah, that's a common occurrence. Sure. Or especially in like a seasonal structure, like summer camp cabins, they're not insulated. Like the wall is just, you know, one wall between you and the outside. So there could be wind coming through a crack in the wall, all kinds of things. Yes. And then, oh, the last one's a little hard. Maybe, maybe your sweater or something got snagged on a corner or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. For me, whenever I'm out in nature, it'll take my body a little bit of time to sort of acclimate to the feeling of like, yeah, there might be a bug on me and it's not the end of the world and like, I'll get over it. Mm -hmm. And I'll feel like a phantom feeling of a bug, you know, when there isn't one. But tugging on your clothes is a very distinct feeling. That's that's not just like a, a tickle. Yes, that is. That is true. So that was the story. Uh, and, you know, oh, that's it. OK, great. So that's the lakeside cabin. OK, OK. Interesting. So 
Meath continues, my next story is a little longer and it's from a city day camp I attended when I was about nine. Okay. It was held in my elementary school in my hometown of Manchester, Connecticut. All right. All right. Keeping in Connecticut. Great. The school was up on a hill back from a busy road. In the cafeteria, there was a big black door, presumably leading to the basement. It looked like it had been covered in many, many coats of shiny black paint, but there were a few more matte spots that could be seen if you were at the right angle. I feel like you shouldn't show the children where the basement access is. Like, it should be behind a separate door or somewhere where the kids aren't every single day, like in the cafeteria. Because I know I would have been tempted to, like, go explore the basement if I had access to the basement. We, uh, our our basement of our elementary school, the, like, boiler room and basement was accessible across from the lost and found, which was mm-hmm. across from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it was like, there was the cafeteria, the kitchen was attached to it, obviously, and then across the hallway was the door to the boiler room. And one time during my seven years in that school, I saw it propped open as the custodian was, like, going in and out. And Julia, it was so like that scene from the horror movie with the boiler scene. Uh, What is it again? A Nightmare on Elm Street. There we go. Thank you. That I, like, I had not seen that movie, but when we did see that movie together, I was like, oh yeah, that's the boiler at Old Mill Road. Yeah, of course. Sure, the boiler room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at least it's, you know, locked. No one else is going there. Like, you're walking past it to go out to recess, but you're not, like, around that door every day. Right, that's very, like, an adult section of the school. Yes, It's like the three things you just listed is not, like, places they take the children to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was not like the gym, right, or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So going back to this. Sorry, I just had an image of me eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and staring at that door being like, I got to go in there. Exactly. Well, Julia, this will add to your image, which is oh, good. it's worth noting that the rest of the cafeteria was light and cheery, covered in children's artwork. The door was a hulking shadow in that bright and cheery space. Yeah, exactly. Why? At least painted a nice color. Yeah, you know? blended in. A, a boring beige. No one wanted yeah. to touch a beige door. Yeah. It draws no attention to itself. None. So kids being kids, rumors about this door ran rampant. That's what I'm saying. The most circulated story was this. Years ago, when the school was new, there was a curious student. She wondered what the school was like after everyone had gone home. And her name was Julia Shafini. <laughs> her name was Amanda, and she wanted to fantasize that she could sleep at school. <laughs> One day, she hid in a supply closet and waited quietly for the school to empty out. Now, I probably, if I, it were me, would have hid on in a bathroom, you know, squatting on the toilet seat in a real Mrs. Basely Frank Weller situation. I, could, I was exa- about to say, Amanda, that's because you've read that book and you know exactly how to sneak into places as a child. Yes. Did I ever do it? No. Did yeah. I think about it constantly? Yes. Yeah. So once she was sure there was no movement or noise, she snuck out of the closet. She explored the empty classrooms, ran through the echoing hallways, and stretched on the floor of the empty gym. Eventually, she made her way to the cafeteria. She walked around, tracing her fingers along the walls when she heard a noise. She turned around, only to find that she wasn't as alone as she thought. This is where the stories that I've heard start to differ. Was it a stranger? The custodian? Was she suddenly dismembered? Stabbed? (laughs) Who knows? Suddenly dismembered? (laughs) But it was gruesome. All the stories have her being dragged through the door in the cafeteria, down to the basement, with bloody handprints left behind on the walls. (laughs) And the story goes that the school painted over the blood, but the girl didn't want to be covered up. Her spirit manifested in the blood she left behind, making those stains forever visible, no matter how many coats of paint were used. Hell yeah, dog. 
that's metal as fuck. <laughs> but the story doesn't end quite there. Oh. Because when I was at camp, there were some girls who thought it would be fun to make jokes about this girl and bring in some extra spirits with everyone's favorite spooky game, Bloody Mary. Oh, buddy. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We talked about this. We just talked about this. Mm-hmm. Now, I was in the bathroom when they started turning the lights off to summon Mary. So being an easily scared kid, I scurried the fuck to get out of there. Good. The girls really spooked themselves and were a shrieking, giggling mess as they made their way back to the gym. As they were walking back to their units, a light fell from the ceiling, missing them by inches. What? The glass and you were shattered. There to see it? Yes, the glass shattered everywhere. Oh my god. And our best explanation was that the little girl wasn't happy about being mocked and another spirit being invited into her resting place. Oh shit. Big deal. Wow, that's that's even more metal than it was previously metal. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Also, they don't fuck around with lights in schools. There are covers. That's why the like lights in gyms are caged. So if a ball hits it, it won't like shatter and you know yeah. like get glass in kids' eyes. Good God, your your school opened itself up to a lawsuit just then. Yeah, seriously. Or at least the camp that was running out of that school. Sure. Wow. Okay, so Meve's final story is from Interlaken up in Michigan. She writes, it was my first summer working there in the Intermediate Meadows Division. I was in. <laughs> what does an- that mean? I know. I know. <laughs> I was in an unusual cabin with three counselors instead of two. Because of this, we jokingly made our cabin triangle-themed and made jokes and references to the Bermuda Trial, the Illuminati, etc. I don't think this is good. I think you're <laughs> tempting fate here. I, don't, I can't explain why, but the fact that you said we made this room that's probably a square or a rectangle triangle-themed, you're fucking up somehow. The most solid shape in architecture the most dodgy shape in folklore, okay? We just talked about how three's a real haunted number. Yes. Guess how, how many sides are in a triangle, <laughs> bitch? <laughs> it's three. It's three. <laughs> we are unhinged this episode. What is happening? Uh, listen, without Eric here. There's no one to reel us in. That's the problem. There's no one to reel us in. There's no one to say no, knowing that his ghost has made it into his throat and is preventing him from being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, Julia, the campers loved the triangle theme. They thought it was <laughs> hilarious. On. And they demanded that we do a story night reading them fun facts about the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Children are so weird. Bless their fucking hearts. Children are so weird. I would also be, to, to be fair, you would be, I we would, would be first in be line. Yeah. One of those children would be like, tell me facts about the Bermuda Triangle. Yes, please. Be like, I love Amelia Earhart. Tell me about her death place. <laughs> <laughs> I think she died in the Pacific, but like still the vibe. I know, I know. You know what, what happened? And we all know this to be true, Amanda, is Amelia Earhart was flying across the Pacific, flew into a storm, got transported into the Bermuda Triangle, died there. Yes. We all know it this is to known. be true. It is, it is known. known. And Julia Meev caps out this paragraph by saying... This isn't super important, but I think it's funny and gives some good context for how chill my kids were. Cool. Cool. Great. Love it. So we had a very full cabin. I'm going to call this Triangle Cabin from here on out. Yes. Meve doesn't, but I am going to. All right. So we had a very full cabin at Triangle Cabin. Three counselors, 19 campers crammed into one cabin. What? That's too many. Also, odd number of campers is important because it means we had one empty bed, a top bunk in the back corner of the cabin. This is where our cabin ghost resided. Naturally. Yes, of course. 
because what else would be there? I'm surprised that it was a top bunk that was left empty. Because when yeah. I was a kid, that was the more desirable bunk. Yeah, because you're always on ground level and you want to be, as a child, very high. So. You want to be a, like a monkey. You want to be yeah. up there. Yeah. That surprises me. What I would not want in any circumstances to be on the bottom bunk knowing that the top bunk is empty and then look up and see something looking down at me exactly Mm. i that was my other question is like what kid is sleeping in that bunk and do they know the ghost sleeps above them do they know are they okay with that have they made peace have they made offerings what's going on let's figure it out we didn't start the seven weeks of camp thinking our cabin was haunted It started slowly. The first instance was something every single person in the cabin experienced. The night sweeping. (laughs) Part of that, too, was I saw your face, which was like, I'm about to say something really funny. Yeah. (laughs) And then it happened. I just feel badly that Shiner's in here. I mean, he's going to listen to it, you know, in the edit. But like, we, we might have to debrief about this on Patreon. Okay. This is a lot. So every night, Julia, someone would be woken up by the sounds of a person sweeping in the main part of the cabin. I was woken up personally by the sound multiple times. Campers would come get me when it woke them up. Or in the morning, people would complain about their sleep being disrupted. What are you going to do about it? Why are they waking you up in the middle of the night being like, someone's sweeping again? You're like, what the fuck am I going to do about it? Go to sleep, 11-year-old. I know. If that was if that was my childhood, my dad would be like, great, you should get some ideas from that ghost. Good night. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> we started to lose our minds a little bit because our days were long, active, and exhausting, and we couldn't get a solid night of sleep. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Next, the counselors each had their own experiences. First, there was Brendan. Now, Brendan was one of the heaviest sleepers I've ever encountered. Mm -hmm. He had to set extra alarms because someone playing trumpet over the division speakers wasn't enough to rouse him from his rest. Cool. And yet, Brendan was jolted awake one night, hearing somebody asking for him repeatedly. He sat up, looked around, and saw absolutely no one else there. Unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Possible to dream. Right? It's a permeable line between sleep and, and dreaming, but... Let's go to next, the counselor, Julia. Oh, no. Julia. Now, were you here one summer in the interlocking? I was not. I can't say that I was. Well, camp counselor Julia has one thing in common with you, which is that she stayed up one night late reading in her bed. That's every night for me, baby. Yep. She heard a sound, looked up from her book to see if a camper was coming in to get her. And what she saw instead was a bright light flashing out from beneath her bed. So bright that she couldn't see anything for a moment because it futzed with her vision being so bright after reading in the dark. Oh, also, that's bad. Hey, hey, girl, that's bad for your eyes. Don't do that. Bad for your eyes. Bad for your eyes. Bad for your eyes. And last, me. With my long history of attending summer camps, I was a friendship bracelet making fiend. Of course. I had a bunch of them that I'd made and others that fellow counselors and some campers had gifted me. But I didn't love the feeling of things on my wrist, so I'd normally just wear one or two and cycle through the ones that I wore and had to keep them loose to be able to take them off. Sure. The night in question, I was only wearing one. Mm. That night, after we'd finished our bunk talk and everyone had gone to sleep. Our bunk talk. I don't know what bunk talk is. I mean, I can guess from context clues, but like adorable. It's like pillow talk, but you guys are all in separate bunks (laughs) and you're just talking and then you're like, all right, good night. Yeah, there's 10 bunk beds, 19 campers and one ghost. Why do you think we're alive? Do you guys ever think about death? Okay, good night. <laughs> What's a period? Yeah. Um, I crawled into bed ready to knock the fuck out. It was probably around 10 p.m. Around 2.30 a.m., I woke up 
from the feeling of my bracelet being pulled up and down my arm. Now remember, I only wore one and I tied it pretty loose. So this wasn't just a breeze like lightly moving it, nor did I move and multiple bracelets knocked into the one. It was being pulled. I opened my eyes and watched it slowly slide down my wrist, pause for a moment, then move back up. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely no, no, no. This hey, is the first no. time that I have felt some some solidarity with Team Ignorant because I too would just be frozen and want more data and to see what happens. And this is the absolute like worst case scenario. I feel like I would be like, hey, can you fucking stop, please? Yeah, yeah this is bad. I would like to go to sleep. It's not even the witching hour, three o'clock. Can you wait half an hour and let yeah, me go right? back to sleep? So, Julia, again, I, I feel like we've we've really found our people here on yeah. Spirits because this yeah. is what Meve um, did. So she writes, me, having grown up in a haunted murder house, a story for another time as this email's hey. already long. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> please. I calmly took a breath, closed my eyes and said, hi, I'm sorry, but I really need to sleep right now. Please stop touching my wrist. Stay in here if you'd like, but I need to go back to sleep. Good night. And it never happened again. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> well done. Yep, great, great. You did it. Proud of you. After getting caught by our campers while we compare notes on our experiences, they decided we needed to acknowledge our ghost. We agreed and ended up bringing it to our assistant director. She helped us find extra sheets and we made up our empty bunk. And we agreed to say hello, goodbye, and good night to our ghost. Mm, theater ghost rules, gotcha. Yeah. So our campers, being the lovely kids that they are, also decided we needed to name our ghosts. Suggestions were being shouted out from everywhere. Carly, Sarah, Jane. All the campers loved Jane, but then one camper, because they were aware that Brendan went by they, them at the time, spoke up and said, we don't know the ghost's gender. Jane is too hey. feminine. How about Jay? Hey, fuck yeah. Love the kids these are kids. All right, right? These kids fucking rock. All right. Love I'll, this for I'll, them. I'll take back the kids being obsessed with triangles. They're fucking weirdos, and I love them. <laughs> yep. We love a weirdo. So Jay became our 20th camper, and that night and every night afterward, the night sweeping had stopped. <laughs> so apparently, Jay was just like really into sweeping, wanted to keep things nice, and mm-hmm. making them a nice place to sleep took care of it. Yeah, I feel like maybe they were like, hey, you know, I don't really feel included. Maybe yeah. if I like did some chores, you guys would like feel like I was uh, yeah. more more welcome here. Real, uh, real childhood Amanda vibes of like, oh, guys, if I help you, will you like include me? <laughs> yeah. Amanda, this is a total aside, but last night I was watching a movie where someone was using a push broom incorrectly. And oh my I God. remember the one time you got yelled at. Yes. <laughs> For not using a push broom correctly. Julia, that memory comes to me every time I see someone using a broom, of a push broom specifically, where I, I was an assistant stage manager for a stage manager in our theater program. And my first task on my first day, and I was so excited, was to sweep the stage, which didn't need to happen, but you know, sh- should for safety. Mm-hmm. And I started sweeping. And then he looked over at me. And then just imagine the most like snotty like New York theater gay gay that you can think of goes, it's called a push broom, not a pull broom. And I was like, (laughs) Amanda, I have flashbacks to that. And I was in the room, but it wasn't directed at me. That's how like fucking traumatizing that. I know bullying is real. And Julia and Jake and I eradicated our, our hazing culture in our time at the theater program. But good God, we truly did. 
I don't feel like we left that much of a legacy, but our legacy was, hey, what if we stopped fucking being bullies to the we younger did, people? We did. We did. That. And we did. We did do that. Culture change happens, uh, you know, from a grassroots level. And hey, now you know that those big brooms that are really long and wide and that you see people, you know, pushing like they're in a musical. You push them and you don't pull them. You push them, you don't pull them. Listen, both gets the job done, but uh, Jeff, come at me. <laughs> Incredible. I really appreciate Jay and their whole vibe. I'm glad that there was no moment in that story where someone who was sleeping in the empty bunk looked up and then saw a shadowy figure yes. looking over them. Shout out to that. Shout out to that. Shout out to you, Meeb. And we definitely want to know about your uh, scary childhood home. We absolutely do. Why didn't you send that one already? Hey, hey, do it. We'll, we'll give you a break. Listen, we're, we're getting to this email hot and fresh. Just came in a couple of days ago. Wonderful. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll give me some time to write in. Please, please do that. And hey, if you have any spooky summer camp stories, we got a whole summer stretching out in front of us. I'd love to read some more. I love summer camp stories. So yeah, hit us up with that, especially if you have the triangle cabin. If oh that was it, also a thing that you had. Right. Pretty good. Let's do it. Pretty good. So remember, listeners, as always, send us in your emails, please. We love to hear them, especially now if you have a creepy camp story. I love a camp story. Spiritspodcast.com and click the contact link and you can send us your email and check a little box that tells us that we're allowed to use the story on the show. And as always, as you obsess over triangles, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.